My family, I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you that rehab is never comfortable. Rehab is never comfortable. And on tonight, there is this dark room that a lot of us have not addressed. And it is the dark room of childhood trauma. And I really, if I just be honest, I really feel as though I'm a man that is being led by the spirit on tonight because I recognize a weapon that the enemy is using on millennials, Generation Z, and even baby boomers is the weapon of childhood trauma. So let's have this conversation. A foundational text that I want us to pay attention to on tonight comes from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, you usually only hear this story in the Christmas season context, but um, I want us to dive in a little bit deeper. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Please don't miss that. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinities who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi. Our clause of concern and the verse that I believe is going to wreck us on tonight, the verse that I believe is going to serve us well for this conversation that we are having on tonight, lives and takes residence in verse 13 where the text tells us, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Brothers and sisters, church family, what, what do you do? What do you do when your parents, better yet, what do you do when the household you came from did not protect you? did not help you escape from Herod's murder attempt, but rather they were assistants in the assassination. It's gonna be uncomfortable on tonight, but rehab is never comfortable. What do you do when your parents, the household you came from, they didn't help you escape from Herod's murder attempt, but rather they served as assistants in the assassination. While preparing for this conversation of heart rehab, while, while preparing for this particular message on tonight about how there's this dark room that a lot of us are still being held captive in, the dark room of childhood trauma, I was beginning to pray and the Lord revealed to me, I want you to understand, Jerry, and I want you to share to my people why there is a massive attack after the men. Please hear me. There is this assault in the earth on our sons, on our brothers, on our fathers, on our uncles, on our nephews, on our cousins. There is this assault 
that's being targeted after the men or how my mother articulated to me so phenomenally a few years ago, hell has this mindset. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a boy, kill him. Kill his passion. Kill his devotion. Kill his identity. Kill his zeal. Kill his commitment. If it's a boy, kill him. And the reason hell is after the man, it is this warfare tactic that I feel God revealed to me, and I'm going to share it with you. The reason that hell is after the man is because the enemy is trying to distort the view of the earthly father. I want to distort the view of the earthly father because if I could distort the view of the earthly father, that's going to bleed over into the view of the heavenly father. See, for a lot of us, the word father in itself is a trigger. The word father in itself is a trigger. And so when you preach and you have conversations about the goodness and the love of the father, that is not my experience. So I'm triggered. By the word father in itself and hell is attempting to distort the view of the earthly father with hopes to distort the view of the heavenly father. It's a war move. It's a war move. Distort the view of the father. For many of us, our father broke our heart before a man ever did. Preach Holy Spirit. Your father broke your heart before a woman ever did. And so hell has this outlook. If I can get them to have a distorted view of the father, that is my security deposit. I don't even have to worry about them until they're at least 30. I don't even have to deal with them until they're about 26. I don't even have to worry about them until they're like 25. Because the trauma that they experienced when they were a child, that is my security deposit that they're not going to be a problem for me for at least two decades. Because hell knows what has not been rehabilitated will be recycled. Did you hear me? What has not been rehabilitated will be recycled. This, this is how we have trauma bonds. This, this is how we have trauma bonds. And I've said it so many times. Loving them harder won't make them change. Loving them harder won't make them change. It's almost like hugging a cactus. The more you squeeze, the more it hurts. The more you squeeze, the more you bleed. It is a trauma bond. And what is a trauma bond? A trauma, a trauma bond is when the abuser and the abusee have created a connection. The abuser and the abusee have created a connection reinforced by moments of fake love and wounded emotions. God, fake love and wounded emotions that feels familiar from childhood. And for some strange reason, the trauma is comforting because I've always worn this outfit. Please hear me. Please hear me. Until we heal, until we heal, we will always find chemistry with those who have similar childhood dynamics. This is powerful, y'all. We are exposing the tactic of the enemy. Until we heal, we will always find chemistry with those who have similar childhood dynamics. It is a war move. It is a war move. It's the weapon of childhood trauma that keeps us in this, this dark room. See, th this is why it's so frivolous to me that we try to insult somebody by saying you have daddy issues. Like, how could a man ever tell a woman you have daddy issues when her issue is due to our gender? And then we have the audacity to try to drag single mothers when they're the one who stayed.
Did y'all hear what I just said? Like, we're going to drag her for being a single mother, but, but she is the one who stayed. What we are seeing in the text is the enemy is using Herod to commit genocide. And the reason he's doing this is because I don't want a deliverer to ever mature. I don't want a deliverer to ever reach maturity. I don't want kings being born. Another king being born is a threat to me. And hell is using the same strategy to this day. Hand her trauma before she matures. Hand him trauma before he matures. Hand her pain before she matures. Hand him pain before he matures. Hand her pain in childhood and hand him pain in childhood. See, when you grow up not being able to trust adults, you're not able to trust your parents, you're not able to trust your caregiver, you're not able to trust an adult, you're going to become an adult that still doesn't trust adults. And that includes yourself. So you don't believe what God has put on the inside of you because my stepfather put something in me too. Y'all don't want to talk to me. This is real. This is rehab. We have to have the hard, uncomfortable conversations. I don't really think God has a plan and purpose for my life because if he did, he would not have allowed that to happen. I don't believe what God has put in me because of what my stepfather put in me. That was supposed to be for my husband, not your perversion. That was supposed to be for my wife. Not your perversion. Why is the church not having conversations about sexual trauma, about sexual abuse? What it is doing is we are not addressing a people who feel dirty and they never played in the mud. Why are we addressing this? Why are we addressing how a lot of people are struggling because I never experienced love in my home? And since I did not experience love in the living room, I'm looking for love in bedrooms. I'm looking for pain medication in relationship form. I'm looking for pain medication in relationship form. And we have to have this conversation. Jerry's not afraid. This ministry, this church is not afraid to touch the areas that nobody wants to discuss. There are too many people who are feeling filthy, who feel dirty, and they never played in the mud. But I came here on tonight to let you know that the blood is stronger than the mud. Gosh, y'all better come get me. I'm trying to address the dark room. The dark room of childhood trauma. The blood is stronger than the mud. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs by Travis Green, On the Hill. On the hill, there's a cross. On the cross, there is blood for me. There is blood for my shame. There is blood for my sin. There is blood for what happened. See, you got to understand this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. A wound is blood flow that you can see. A bruise is a blood vessel that bursts underneath the skin. The stuff in the dark rooms that we aren't talking about. The issues that we haven't had conversations about. The blood works for that too. I'm going to give you Bible. I want you to see what the blood does. I want you to see this. What does the blood do? It justifies me. What does it mean to be justified? It's just if I didn't do it. It justifies me. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. It says much more than having now been justified by his. Everybody put in bold letters the blood. By his blood we shall be saved from wrath 
through him. I'm going to give you more Bible. What does the blood do? The blood makes sure that I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says in him we have redemption through everybody put in the room blood. We have redemption through his blood. What does redeemed mean? Redeemed means to be brought back. The blood brought us back to a proper relationship with the Father. The blood brought us back. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins of sins according to the riches of his grace. What does the blood do? The blood spares me from wrath. I remember back in college when they were making fun of me because I didn't want to turn up and go to the club and turn up one time for the one time. They said, oh, you're missing out. I wish I knew what I knew now because I'd have been like, yeah, you're right. I'm missing out on hangovers. <laughs> I'm missing out on wrath. I'm missing out on insomnia. You can keep that. What else does the blood do? The blood gives us power over the enemy. I'm going to give you more Bible. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they have overcome him. I feel myself getting happy. And they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. The blood helps us overcome. I have overcome him by the blood of of the land. The blood still works. The blood still works. The blood still works. The blood still works. Father, right now, for all of us who are in dark rooms of childhood trauma, there are things that we haven't discussed. There are things that we haven't talked about. I want you right now, God, even through the retina display, if they're listening to this podcast, if they're watching me on the iPad, through their iPhone, through their Android, through their computer, or on a TV, God, help us to receive the power of forgiveness. Help us to understand that we have been blood-bought. God, anoint me. Anoint me as your PA system as we address the dark room. The dark room of childhood trauma. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room? Amen. 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 This is heart rehab, and we are dealing with the dark room. Our foundational text tells us that an angel came to them and said, get up and take the child to Egypt. Get up and take the child and escape to Egypt for Herod is seeking the child's life. What do you do? What do you do when you had parents, when you had a household that did not help you escape from Herod's murder attempt, but rather they were assistants in the assassination. Tonight, I would like to speak around this thought, around this subject for just a few more moments. It started in childhood. It started in childhood. And I didn't say the confession last week. Y'all forgive me. I was too excited. But I'm intentional with making sure all of us says it on tonight. Can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? In all caps. Everybody put this in the room. You will no longer know me by my wound. Please. All caps. You will no longer know me by my wound. I am healed. I am healing. I am whole. In Jesus' name. 
Somebody declared that on their life. I feel like somebody's watching this message with tears in their eye because this dark room, this dark room is personifying how you feel because there are conversations that you have not had. Let's put this in the room. You will no longer know me by my womb. I am healed. I am healing. I am whole in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tonight, tonight, church family, I, I would like to break down. I would like to break down the what, the why, and the how. I want to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with you about this dark room, about this weapon that the enemy is using. It is a weapon of mass destruction, and that is the weapon of childhood trauma. Hell used this weapon. Hell used this weapon in childhood trauma form, I believe, for two reasons. Number one, he never wants us to mature. We see that in our foundational text. The enemy is using Herod to commit genocide because I want to kill a deliverer. God, I hope y'all didn't miss that. I want to kill a coming king. I never want them to reach maturity because right now they're not an issue. But if I don't attack them in childhood, they will become my problem later. So the enemy uses childhood trauma as a security deposit of us not bothering him until later. God, hell never wants us to reach maturity. I'm so passionate about it because I want you to get it. It's the same thing I stated on Sunday. One of the most greatest joys that I have as a spiritual leader, as a servant of people, as a pastor, is I want you to mature. You're dangerous when you mature. When you can start talking in maturity, respond in maturity, thinking with maturity when you begin to mature, when you begin to mature you evolve and hell can't stand when you evolve hell gets terrified when you evolve and therefore we articulated on Sunday one of the ways you could identify a distraction one of the ways you can identify a counterfeit from a god sent is counterfeits always seek to interrupt the evolution that is confirmation for somebody right there. If you want to know, did God send this or did the enemy send this or do I just like this? When it's you and when it's the enemy, it will always attempt to interrupt your evolution. And I want us to be so secure. I'm preaching so hard because I want us to be so secure that we don't clip our wings to go back to crawling with them. We don't clip our wings to go back to crawling with them. You're dangerous when you mature. You See, listen, listen. This is why remaining carnal is so hazardous. This is why never going to war with your petty self is hazardous because immaturity eclipses the mature version of yourself that you have to be to carry out the kingdom agenda that God has placed on your life. It eclipses that. So when you just feel like, oh, this is just who I am, and I don't go to war with that, and many times a lot of the responsibility falls on the body and pulpits because we are delivering inspirational, sugar-coated messages that makes us feel comfortable in immaturity. It doesn't challenge us. So therefore, when we lack maturity in an area, we don't view it as a termite to our assignment. We view it as an ornament to our personality. We view it 
as an ornament to our personality. You are extremely dangerous when you are pursuing maturity. Hell never wants us to mature. So like in our text, the enemy is using Herod, which is showing us a pattern of hell. I attack before maturity. I don't want them to develop. I don't want them to become. I don't want them to evolve. The second reason the enemy attacks us in childhood is because he wants this wound to have generational momentum. This is so powerful, y'all. He wants this wound to have generational momentum. Like I stated before, therefore, if it doesn't get transformed, it gets transferred. And so now we're dealing with wars that aren't even ours. If I can get them to never heal from that wound, if I can get them to never deal with the childhood trauma, their wound will be generational. And so now we'll be fighting warfares. We'll be fighting the unfinished combat of our grandparents. We'll be dealing with the unfinished combat of our grandparents because I'll never have to think of a new assault for that bloodline if they keep losing to the same Goliath. This is the what. Like I stated, I'm dealing with the what, the why, and the how. What the enemy is using is the weapon of mass destruction called childhood trauma. It places us in this dark room and the reason he does it is because he does not want us to mature. And number two, he wants it to have generational momentum. Listen y'all, something happened. Something happened in childhood that we never talked about. Because we were taught what goes on in this house stays in this house. Something happened in childhood that we never talked about. I'm going to take it further. You know why a lot of us are miserable? We are miserable due to the internal untold stories. God, we are miserable due to the internal untold stories. But I hear you. I hear you. You're not talking about it, but I hear you because when somebody really loves you, when somebody really cares for you, they can hear you even when you're silent. Perfect example. At my house, when my children go silent, I look for them. <laughs> Do we have any parents in the room? When my four-year-old gets quiet and when my six-year-old gets quiet, it alarms their father. Woo! Lord, help your people. When my children go quiet, it is alarming to their father because this is not normal behavior for my children. Listen, y'all, what has gone mute in your life? It is alarming to your father. I dare you to cry out in worship. I dare you to cry out in prayer. I dare you to cry out in counseling because, listen, fathers know the sound of your cries. Fathers know the sound of your cries. There is a cry that will cause me to stop what I'm doing. There is a cry that will make me stop in my steps. There is a cry. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a live. It doesn't matter if I'm on the phone. It doesn't matter if I'm working. It doesn't matter if I'm working out. It doesn't matter if we're cooking. There is a certain cry. There is a certain cry my daughter releases that gets the attention of her father. There is a certain cry that my son releases. And it is a cry that lets me know whatever just happened they are hurt they are hurt that's not the cry of them just wanting their way 
That's not the cry of them just playing with toys together. That is the cry that something has hurt my child. And the enemy wants you to go mute so you don't cry out because he knows. Not only does the father know when you go silent, something happens. But he also knows the cry of something hurts. What has gone mute in your life because of the dark room? You know why a lot of us struggle with self-confidence? It's because confidence is tied to authenticity. When we act like this dark room doesn't exist, when we act like what happened when I was six never happened, when we act like this dark room has not plagued or affect our personality, we never can be the authentic self that we're called to be. And confidence is tied to authenticity because you know who you are and whose you are, not who they made you become due to what they did. And so I'm trying to help somebody. And so one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways we could gain confidence is by being authentic. That hurt me. That hurt me. You cannot sleep because of all the internal untold stories. And it's haunting me and it's plaguing me. And God is saying, if you would give that to me, I want to take it. I understand the enemy tried to attack you as a child. It's because he knows I need you to be like a child to experience the miraculous. What? The weapon of childhood trauma. That's the what. The enemy is using the weapon of childhood trauma because we must become like children to enter the kingdom of God. And if we don't ever address that dark room, there is a childlike nature on the inside of you that will never be operational because I'm not talking about it. That's the what. Why? Here's a reason you probably never thought about. The why is because untreated trauma will blur discernment. Oh, gosh. Untreated trauma will blur discernment. When God tells you to do something, you're so used to the voice of your pain giving you counsel that you don't know if this is God, if this is the enemy, or if this is your pain. Untreated pain blurs discernment because I'm so used to making decisions to protect me. We have been wired to connect. How God has wired us, he has wired us to connect. What trauma does is it rewires us to protect. This is why it's so easy for us to entertain entanglements. Did y'all catch that? We have been wired to connect. Trauma rewires us to protect. This is why entanglements are so easy. Because trauma has neurological implications if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to untangle some wires. Untreated pain blurs discernment. When God tells us to be nice, when, when God sends somebody to help you heal, you immediately arrest them as a potential offender. Not because of anything they have done, but because of all the things other people have done. And so now I can't discern when God is sending me help because of all the pain that has hurt me. So, so I wanna give you a few indicators. I wanna give you a few indicators that you have been marked by God to be a world changer, okay? Number one is when assault happened before you matured. Anytime an assault happened before you matured, it is because the enemy is terrified of what you're gonna become. Number two, a sign that you have been marked, you're the different one in your family. 
You're the different one in your family. You're the one that is able to identify that what everybody's engaged in is dysfunctional, but they don't know it's dysfunctional. <laughs> you're the oddball in your family because you're the one that's going to break the cycle. Number three, the sign that you have been marked by God is when you never fit in. Like your whole life. That has been me, y'all. Like peer pressure wasn't really a thing for Jerry because I really didn't want to do what they wanted me to do. And there was always this thing about me that was different. When I matured, there's that word, when I matured, I discover why I never could really fit in with them because I was not made to follow the current. I was made to go upstream. I was made to go upstream. Christians weren't made to be popular, but if we are, it's because we do what is unpopular. Number four, another indicator that you have been marked is there have been constant attempts to break you. I feel this, y'all. This is touching somebody. I feel it. I feel you are looking at this message just wrecked. <laughs> it's because God is talking to you. It ain't me. My prayer is God make me invisible. I want them to hear your word. You have had constant attempts to break you. Every few years, the enemy tries to send something to break you. In childhood, there was something that tried to break you. In your adolescent years, there has been something that has tried to break you. In your early adulthood, there has been something that has been trying. There is something that has tried to break you. In your adulthood, there is something that is trying to break you. It is because the enemy tries to break the breaker. You're going to break something, but I'm trying to break you first. Another indicator that you have been marked by God is when you have had a wrong introduction to God. We say that, that this is what the enemy wants to do, distort the image of the Father. I want you to have a wrong introduction to Jesus and the faith so that you'll never strive to get close to the Father. And lastly, you know that you have been marked by God to be a world changer is when you have been separated. A lot of us are mislabeling it. You're not lonely, you're separated. You're separated so people will no longer know you by your wound. You're separated. I'm trying to deal with this dark room. I'm trying to deal with what the enemy tried to use to take you out. Because, because wounds that are not transformed will always be transferred. So we learn the what, we learn the why, how. How, Jay, how do I overcome this? This is why I'm teaching on it because a lot of times we just deal with the what and the why, but we never deal with the how. My job and my prayer is I want us to heal to such a degree that I'll never be that me again. Did y'all hear what I just said? I want us to heal to such a degree where I will never be that me again. And before I give you these final points, I want to challenge your perspective. What if you're breaking up with the pattern and not the person. I want us to realize sometimes we're blaming the person, but the real issue is there was a pattern that existed before the person. The person just came along in the pattern and now we are blaming the wrong thing. We're blaming the person instead of going to war with the pattern. Right now, many of us, you are in the season where God is trying to redeem your inner child. He's trying to redeem your inner child. In this season, God is trying to make you whole, not make you happy. Rehab in the moment doesn't make you happy. 
Oh, but when you have been detoxed and when you are cleansed, now you can have joy. And a lot of us, because this season is so uncomfortable, you are in a season of under construction. God has a wrecking ball, wrecking the stuff that you've learned, wrecking bitterness, because there is a person, there's a woman that you have to become because there's a daughter that you have to raise, there's a son that you have to raise, there's a man that you have to become because there's a son that you have to raise, there's a daughter that you have to raise, and there's a wife that you have to love. There's a wife that you have to love, and I recognize the enemy's tactic. He's trying to distort my view by giving you a distorted view of an earthly father. So, so how do we overcome this? Number one, we deal with the untold story. Whatever dark room that has a little girl or that little boy that has not been addressed, we have to deal with it. We have to deal with our shame and we have to deal with our failures and our faults because the word of God lets us know, confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. There's healing with confessing. Number two, forgive the professor. Forgive the professor. A lot of our parents were our first teachers and they taught us lessons wrong. Some friends taught us lessons wrong. Now watch this, watch this. My daughter right now is having extensive training on math, but she wouldn't know if she learned the math wrong until she met a right math teacher. And a lot of us, our parents taught us wrong because like I stated before, parental wounds lead to emotional tunes. I have to forgive the professor they taught me lessons that were not kingdom. They, they taught me lessons that were not kingdom. And then I have to forgive myself because I was taught incorrectly and I'm not gonna blame myself for the choices I made in ignorance. I didn't know that there was a dark room. I didn't know that I have to have conversations like this. I didn't know that this was an attack of the enemy to give me a distorted view of the father. I didn't know, so I forgive the professor, forgive yourself, and point number four, embrace rehab. Embrace rehab. Embrace rehab. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six informs us, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. But what do you do when you have got on the wrong train? A lot of us don't even recognize right now in this very moment, God is trying to train your inner child because your inner child is in a dark room. Point number five, rehearse new affirmations. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. New affirmations, new affirmations. I'm the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I will live and not die, but declare the works of the Lord. New affirmations instead of the destructive lies of what we learned in childhood. And lastly, point six, patience, process, pace. I had to be patient, and patience is the ability to survive the season of not yet, and embrace the process, and trust God's pace. So right now, oh God, we are praying that you shine a light on the dark room, the dark room of childhood trauma. And I pray, God, that the word that went forth on tonight could at least hand your children some keys where we can learn how to escape and help us to forgive our professors, our parents, friends, family members that taught us the wrong way as we 
embrace this journey of rehab. Help us to unlearn and detox so that we can become your kingdom ambassadors. It is in your precious son's name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.